Welcome to the Cracked Pods podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And this week's text, we dove straight into Holy Week. Holy Week. Peter's denial. I mean, we're, we're to, he's already been arrested and... Um, so that was kind of a fun jump. <laughs> it was a huge, so we, I mean, we went from Lazarus uh-huh. um, to Peter, Peter, Peter arrested, Jesus arrested and Peter denial, Peter's denial. So yeah, huge, huge, huge jump. Um, although, other than the Holy Week stuff, the, really the bulk of that jump from a, from a text standpoint. Wasn't that far. I mean, it, right. it really is. It's, it's, you have the Lazarus story and then kind of the plot to, to do something about Jesus. And then you're right into the Monday, Thursday texts. Yeah. Jesus um, does the, this the long farewell, farewell di- discourse yeah. thing that just like, <laughs> like, dude, forever, get ever. to the point, man. He just kind of like, it's, it's really, really long. Yeah. Um, not that Jesus, it's not important. Yeah. I mean, Okay, Jesus, you want to say your goodbyes? Give your instructions. Okay, that seems kind of important, but man, whew. Um, <laughs> the narrative lectionary folks did not feel it was that important. Apparently, <laughs> they, they just kind of skipped right yeah, over we'll skip that. it. Yeah. Although, you know, honestly, there probably is some good stuff in there. First of all, you get your definition of what eternal life is in there. Um, and, <laughs> we, we have already discussed ad nauseum my views on eternal life. I think it's cool and all, but... Like for me, I worry about that later. Yeah, I. Like know. That's really like my take is really I worry about that later. I want to worry about making the world more Jesusy. Right, and, right. Again. But but my point being, what the definition? You know, what we usually think about eternal life being versus what um, Jesus says eternal life is, and basically the the statement that you know this is eternal life that. They should know you, the one true God, and the one whom you have sent, Jesus Christ. So, I mean, that, that's the definition of, of eternal life is knowing God. Right. So, communion with God. Um, but anyway, yeah, and, and there's this whole, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this discourse about, um, you know, as much as I would... You know, I'm, I'm not, well, one of my favorite ones is when he says, I am not going to take you out of the world, which I think is a pivotal, important text because in this day and age, a lot of Christians look to escapism, like rapture, that kind of stuff, that when, the, when things get tough, they're just going to go away. Yeah. And that's kind of one of those texts. And think about the fact that, again, um, you know, this is John's gospel, so John and, and is also the author of a certain book at the end of the, um, of the Bible. And hold on, hold on. What does the timer say? What does On the say? soundboard, what does the timer say? <laughs> three minutes and 24 seconds. Less than three and a half minutes <laughs> and we're already in the book of Revelation. Yeah. Um, but my point being... Um, if you had three minutes and 30 seconds on your bingo card, you win. <laughs> The, we, we have the, this, this notion that, that will be just kind of taken away. And Jesus actually prays and says, I'm not going to pray for you to be taken out of the world. I will pray for you to be protected. It's I, the, 
it's the Christian, so it depends on your, on your generation. Yeah. The Christian, I dream of genie, blink your eyes and do that little quick nod thing with your head and you get transported away from everything. And Jesus is like, nah, this ain't I dream of genie. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, you, you guys are going to face some stuff. Um, and for those, I've, I've had somebody argue, well, he was just talking about the, the disciples right then and there. And I'm like, actually, no, because then he goes on and says that this is not just for you, but for future generations. <laughs> well, and I, mean, I mean, literally says this isn't just about you. This is about just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Just to be clear. This is not just about you. This is about future, um, future generations. And going forward. I mean, I am not of the belief so I don't want to make this definitive statement on the fly, but generally speaking, I am of the belief that when Jesus makes declarations to his disciples, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, it probably applies to us too. Yeah, mo most likely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way I take it. Yep, typically. I mean, it was, the, the Bible was not a moment-in-time text at this time, at this place, right now, this applies, and it shall never apply after. No, but to be fair, there are some things that are very contextual in terms of Correct. things going on in the context of the era. Correct. That definitely, or even, not even just the era, but the location, something going on in a particular city. Correct. Um, and, um, in, and a particular community. But, uh, we, but we should not read any of those things and say, yeah, it doesn't apply to us. Right. Yeah, um, yeah that was them. At, but at the same time, recognize there are some things that are going on that, let's say, oh, Paul might be addressing that maybe is not a church-wide statement. Yes. Yes. So there, there are a few things you need to look at in, okay, what's going on in this situation that well, he's Paul addressing? Paul is... Hmm. Not your favorite. <laughs> uh, so I... I don't appreciate how much of Paul, so many of Paul's writings have been taken out of context and, and weaponized. Yes. That's what I don't appreciate. So, I, I, I mean, it's hard not to like a dude who is like, you know what? I'm going to start spreading the Jesus thing, and I'm going to hop in a boat, and I'm going to write letters. And, and I, I, love, I love Paul's boldness. Um, I, I, I love Paul's ministry. I don't, my issue, my issue, my, here's my issue, my real issue with Paul is punctuational, you know, how we've interpreted it. Oh, all of his long run on And sentences. there are no, there is no punctuation, like, you're reading, like, 25 lines of text, and you have, you, you're, you never run into a bit of punctuation. Um, and I find most of the translations of Paul, confu personally, confusing to read. I, I almost always, when reading Paul, go to the message translation because it's easier for me to digest um, because it, it just, it, it's a little, little more clear. But anyway, yeah, Paul. Yeah. So Peter, so we find ourselves in Holy Week. Like, like just yeah. boom, we've transport, you know, spring forward all the way to Holy Week. Um, I guess it's appropriate weekend to skip a bunch of texts. 
Um, <laughs> well, and, and I, I just wanted to take those few minutes to kind of fill in that gap a little bit of, yeah. of talking about what sort of the contents of the, the farewell discourse was. Um, and, and a lot of it is just him praying and um, give, well, giving his disciples a new command, which is what Monday actually means. It means command. Um, that new command is? Wash feet. No. Come on. It's not the new. Well, I, I guess, you know, um, that's a part of what the new command is because it is something that is done out of this. But the new command is love one another. Should we? Let's go on record. How many people, how many feet do you think, no, how many pair of feet do you think will be washed here on Monty Thursday? Hmm. <laughs> ah, right? Well, I'm trying to think of how many people normally come to the Monday Thursday service, and then what percentage of those are actually going to come forward? <laughs> Mathematical equationy. Yeah. So. I think the Vegas I, the Vegas line. I, I would say maybe twenty. So the I was going to set the Vegas over under at twenty and a yeah, half. I, I was I was going to go with twenty. Yeah, that's my guess. I'll set the line at twenty and a half. Not that you're going to wash it half a foot, but that way you well, can't have a tie. Well, you can wash one foot and not the other. Well, but then you don't have a tie, <laughs> right? So, so 20 and a half is, is, my, is my guess. I hope it's more. I hope it's more. Hey, but we'll, we'll talk about... We would love to be proven wrong. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah and we'll, t we'll talk about the Monday Thursday text on, well, maybe, I don't know, because we'll see what we do podcast-wise. For Holy Week. With Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and oh, oof, I don't know. We'll see. That's, yeah. So we skip, we skip Monday, Thursday, because we're going to come back to that, because we didn't want to not do Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday. Right. So we get, we're really into, you know, the meat of, I think what most people would call the meat of Holy Week, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Peter's denial. I mean, that's kind of where it all starts. Jesus arrested, Peter's denial. Yep. It's harsh. Yeah. I mean, this guy who's been there for everything, um, you know, sometimes he gets it, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, but, you know, he was, he was there ready to cut off ears and, and... He was like, yeah. He was like Rambo disciple for Jesus. Right. And... There, there's even mention of, what is it, in, in the text, isn't there a, um, like a cousin or a relative of the, 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 guy, the guard's ear who got yeah. cut off yeah. is, is there. Um, and is one of the people, I think, question, if I remember right, is Correct. one of the people questioning. It was a slave of or a relative of a slave or something like that. And it's like, wait a minute. He's like, nope. So here, here's what's really interesting. So I kind of led people into the, you know, the I am texts. You know, Jesus' seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am blah, blah, blah. I am, I am, I am, I am. Because literally, not literally, literarily, is that right? That doesn't sound right. Doesn't, it's not literal, literary, literary, 
literally. Literarily, yeah, I think. Literarily. If that's <laughs> whatever, you get the point. From a literature standpoint, there, there we you go. go. Rephrase From it. a literature standpoint, um, John's gospel does not have Peter say no. When asked, Peter does not say no. Peter says, I am not. So in my ser- it was really interesting. So in my sermon, I kind of paused at that point. And Peter's response was, and I paused, and everyone that I heard, and there were several that would silently say, I am, are you a disciple? And Peter said, and they would say, no. I'm like, no, he didn't say no. He essentially said no, but he didn't actually say no. He said, I am not, which ties it back to Jesus's I am statements, which then kind of forces the whole, it led me down the whole, well. What's the importance of the I am? And we ain't Jesus. Right. Like, this is exactly how much different we are from Jesus. Jesus, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this. You know, even in the midst of, you know, getting whacked whacked in the face for, you know, being kind of a smartass to the, to the chief priests, you know, he's still willing to you know, be fully 100% all in. And Peter gets to that point and is like, yep, no more. That's far enough. And you know, so somebody on the way out posed a real, on Saturday night posed a really good question or a really good statement. Well... Maybe Peter denied it for self-preservation because he knew he had a role after Jesus died. And that's why he denied Jesus. In the, denied Jesus. Yeah. I was like, huh, okay. Never thought of it that way. And maybe it's because I'm not really willing often to give Peter a lot of credit. Cut Peter a lot of slack. Well, so, but I mean, yeah, I thought that was but, a really interesting. Yeah, John John's gospel always wants is is looking for the the symbolic uh, meaning and everything anyway. Yeah. So I mean, in the midst of that denial, um, uses the opportunity to phrase it in such a way that it has that symbolic meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did I did think it was interesting. Well, well, maybe. Maybe Peter denied Jesus because Peter knew that he had a role after Jesus' death. So if he said, yes, I am, he was afraid. So if Peter answered, I am, then he was afraid that he too would end up crucified and could not carry on. Yada, yada. Well, I'm sure he, he, that being crucified was definitely his fear. <laughs> I mean, there was there's no question that he, he, part of the denial lies in the fact that he was not really quite ready to wind up um, side by side yeah. with, with Jesus at that They're age. doing that to Jesus? Yeah, no, nope. thank you. Nope. Oh, well. Oh, you all are cheering him, marching, you know, marching into the city and throwing palm branches? Yeah, sign me up for that. Oh, wait, you're going to put him on the cross? Yeah, no, no thanks. Well, and it's interesting to note, too, that um, later on when Judas realizes that they're actually going to put him to death, that's when he like has all this remorse of, well, I, that's a bit extreme for what I was turning him in for. That <laughs> was not what I was anticipating. Yeah. Tries to give the money back, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm sorry, who did you say? Judas. 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 Like Newman. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you had you had quite a few people. It was at the eleven fifteen service, believe it or not. That like new sign knew the Seinfeld reference. It's always a crapshoot when you go with like cultural or generational type things, like Seinfeld. Right. Um, and so, honestly, I don't. I did not do that on Saturday night. Uh, we didn't do the Newman thing Saturday night. Sunday, I don't know. Who knows? Um, it just it just kind of popped in my head, like, hey, let's go with this. <laughs> and at that service, at, at our nine thirty service, most of the congregation w was familiar with Seinfeld. And at eleven fifteen, there were. I, I, I was impressed more, with the number of people that were like, "Yeah, I'm aware of that." More than not, like, oh. yeah, more than not. Um, but yeah, it's the. Um, oh, for, so Judas so if you're if you're listening to this and didn't actually listen to the sermon. My, my point was, I don't, like, I have trouble saying Judas in, like, normal language because he's kind of those people that we're supposed to really, really, really dislike in Scripture. So we almost have to say it like you do Newman in the show Seinfeld. If you haven't, if you haven't watched Seinfeld, just Google Seinfeld Newman and you can get a clip and you'll get, you'll get the point. Yeah. Judas. Judas. But anyway, yeah. So Judas is kind of, once he realizes that like he's going to be crucified, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was, this was not, this was not what I had in mind. Yeah. Um, I thought you guys would just maybe throw him in jail and kind of take him out of circulation for a while. I didn't realize you were going to like put him to death. Uh, so it, it kind of, not, not to like try to redeem Judas, but you know, it's kind of one of those, those, oh, wait, this, that, that was not what Judas had in mind when he betrayed Jesus. Was, it was not that he, he really honestly thought that, I mean, he had to have known at some level it was a possibility, but at the same time, you know, I think he was like, wait, no, that, that wasn't supposed to happen that way. So I think. And I don't know, I don't know that our texts, um, actually covers that part of the Judas story. Um, in John? In John. So what, what, we'll, what we'll be talking about um, in, in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, I haven't, but I haven't looked at I just, I, I just think it's kind of an um, interesting thing that he has that remorse afterwards of, of oh, wait, this is, this is not what I had in mind. <laughs> so um, I, I, think, I think Judas... Ju Judas. I think Judas, Judas, is an interesting character in Scripture because... You like, you like to play, play one. Yeah. Um, but I... Judas was passionate about the end result. Like, he, he recognized the same struggles that, that Jesus was working to bring down. He just didn't understand Jesus' method of doing it. Right. And got frustrated by it. At least that's our, our, our interpretation that, take yeah. of, of what's going on. Correct. That's yes. what it's, it, that's, again, that's my interpretation. It, it seems as though Judas is like, hey, like, dude, I'm on. I get this. And then Jesus was more um, trying to think of a character. And I can't. So Jesus was, Judas wanted like Rambo Jesus to go in and just blow things up and, and, and destroy. 
I guarantee you when Jesus was flipping tables, Judas was like, yeah, that's my boy. Flip those tables. And, <laughs> yeah. then when G- and then when Jesus started doing the love your neighbor stuff, well, Jesus, I'm, Judas- I'm not so sure, though. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm going to push back on that. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to say he was maybe not totally thrilled with Jesus attacking the temple. Okay. Um, I, but I don't know. I, I, I would say that the, the flipping tables thing may not have been quite... Remember, Judas was the treasurer. He's the money guy. Oh, that's right. Don't, don't waste the money. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's so, true. So I'm not sure he'd have been as thrilled you know what? with... Yeah, from, from a, I forgot about... I didn't take into account Jesus or Judas was the, was the uh, disciples' finance guy. Right. I, the I finance guy is not happy about messing with money. Yeah. I could definitely see Judas as more of the I want I want I, I want Israel to reclaim her glory. Yeah. But when Jesus goes in and flips those tables over, that's not an attack on Rome. That's an attack on yeah, that's true. the temple system. Yep, that's true. That I'm not sure Judas would have been a hundred percent on board with. Yeah. And the financial piece of it too, you're right. Right. You're right. Yeah. That he would have been like, well, wait a minute, this maybe isn't what I signed up for. I, I honestly think some of those things were that a could little be. bit more. Um, but yeah. again, we don't know. It, scripture does not give us Judas's motivation. We need the gospel according to Judas. There actually is one. But I mean like... <laughs> but I mean like... Like a legit one? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's one of those things where we, we have to... So in the Good Friday dramas... I definitely take creative license with Judas. Yeah. Um, I give him motivation. Yeah, I me give too. Him, um, <laughs> what? Me too. Yeah, yeah. I give him motivation. I give him this is why he's doing it because it, it makes it a little bit. Well, so have you ever noticed in um, like all of your uh, your villains or whatever within, especially like like sci-fi fantasy or whatever, that, that wind up being these kind of epic tales. They go back and they tell the backstory of the villain. So yeah. we, we get the prequels to Darth Vader to find out what motivates Darth Vader to become Darth Vader. Uh, Cruella de Vil, you know, there's Cruella. You get to find out how um, Cruella became Cruella. Uh, and so your villains, you know, you wind up having this backstory most of the time, it kind of humanizes them a little bit more, where they're just not an out-and-out bad person. Um, Which is kind of, like, true to life. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 there's something that's been driving them in their life that, that has pushed them in that direction. And so that's kind of the, the, a little bit of the creative license I tend to take is, is uh, what's, what's that backstory? Our, obviously, our villain, got a few villains in this story. One of the, the villains is, um, quote, Judas, because he's the betrayer. And so I do. I take a little bit of, of creative license in our Good Friday and kind of give him that motivation. Because I, I try to look and think what, you know, given his role, given, you know, everything, what would motivate you to betray this person you've been following. Yep. Um, and, and I think about, so what's the number one reason, like let's say there's a politician you're really gung-ho for, what makes you decide you're not going to really support them anymore? They do something. In today's political climate, nothing. Well, 
but in general, in general, there there used to be there used to be lines that were drawn yeah. that said, "Oh, I can't really throw my support behind this person anymore because they're doing X, Y, or Z or something along those lines." So there was something Jesus was doing that had to have motivated Jesus beyond just, yes, I know, Satan went in, into him and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. But let, let's put it this way. I don't think Satan works in a vacuum. No. Um, there's, there's something to work with there, which means there was something already at play that uh, was, was so, heightened. Most of our... Vices, let's call them vices, are born out of a discontent of something. So my wife, um, when we met, was doing the, the counseling work that she was doing um, was with juvenile sex offenders. I... I struggled that, that, I, that that's, a, that's a tough field, right? And in every single instance, the youth that she was working with had been um, offended against prior in their life. Now, that does not mean that it happened to me, I should do it to someone else. I'm, there's that, I'm, that's not, I'm not saying that as an excuse. But you know, statistically speaking, that's generally... That's a pretty common, common track. Um, you know, I, you know, infidelity. Well, there, was, there were issues in the marriage or issues within the person, and they went outside their marriage. Um, right. Drug addiction. You know, trying to fill a void in your life with, with vices. So you say, oh, well, that's the devil at work. Yes. It's the devil filling a void that is there, you know, when, when we are not whole, we often, we don't always fill. And who, and who of us is whole? Let's, right, let's exactly. point we, that out. Right, and we don't, we don't always fill those, those holes with good things. We well, try. And, and, and to be clear, there are some things that are, there are ways of filling those voids that are more socially acceptable yes. than others. Yes. Um, and so my home life stigmas around certain, you my know, home life stinks. So I'm going to be a workaholic. Yeah. Is that healthy? No, no, but you know what? Our society applauds that. Yep. My home life stinks. I'm going to do drugs. Oh, well you can't do that. Yeah. Again, it's just a different addiction. And again, I'm not, it's not a one-to-one -one parallel, but you're right. Like, we fill those holes. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, if, very few of us are very, are, are, are balanced the way we should be in our um, spiritual life, home life, work life, all of those things. Um, finding some way that those all mesh together and are healthy, probably not so much, but... So getting back specifically to this text, um, because it's, it's easy, because it was such a short little, you know. Compact. Compact, and it's part of such a broader 
um, story, which is part of why we wanted to focus in on, it's like because we normally just kind of gloss over some of these things. Um, the, but it makes it a challenge in some ways, I think, for preaching as well when we aren't giving, you know, it's like, okay, well, we know this story, but now we're looking at this one little section. How do I preach this one little section? Um, and at least with this one, I think that the theme of betrayal uh, <laughs> is one I think a lot of us at least are familiar with and have experienced to some degree. Not quite at the level um, that Jesus was <laughs> from the standpoint of, it, you know, most of our betrayals don't result in us being crucified, um, literally, and, and killed. But I think we all have had those moments of where you have someone in your life who is very trusted that has betrayed you one way or another. Yeah. And, and, and the pain and the anguish that that causes. And Here, so here's a question. How many of those people are you still in contact with? Right? So our, I would, I would imagine our standard operation is you betrayed me and you are I'm not, done. and you are not part of my life anymore. Right. Which I don't know that if someone were sitting across my desk and said, Pastor, this happened to me. Um, I need to cut them out of my life. I would go, oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, no, 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 don't do that. I think it also depends on the kind of betrayal. Correct. So, so I'll, I'll, give, I'll, give a, I'll give a real world example. Um, so I have, a, I have a son, 22, to a previous marriage. His mother was not overly, she was around, she wasn't overly involved. There was a history um, of promises made and not promises kept from his, from his perspective. He at one point in his life, when he was about 15, was like, I am choosing not to speak to her anymore. Which, oh boy, talk about a storm um, a storm, a Bruin. So we had, you know, him and I had a conversation and I said, you know, I, I'm, I, I am not, you are my responsibility. Your mother is not my responsibility. I, I want what's best for you. Um, are you sure that, the, and, we, and we talked through all of the scenarios and, and everything else and he spent a long period of time not, you know, cutting her out of his life. I understood. I understood. Yeah. Now, I did not encourage it. Hey, you need to cut her out. My, my thing with him was, you know, essentially, not, not the words I use, but sort of paraphrasing, what makes you whole long-term? Is it healthier for you to not have this relationship right now? And ultimately, for him at that point in time, it was healthier for him to not have that relationship at that time. Yeah. But Jesus never does that. Like with Peter... I mean, I think, you know, Jesus getting his rear end kicked, heading towards the cross, and it's like, seriously, Peter? You're dead to me. I, would be a logical explanation. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't think. I'd probably do the same thing. Hey, you know what, Peter? Forget it, man. Like, I, I needed some help here. I was, 
I didn't want you to cut the dude's ear off, but you know what? You, you were with me. Now you're like, Psh, nope, don't know the guy. Nope, never heard of him. Je who? What? Nope, never saw him. Yeah. But Jesus doesn't say, even to Judas, Jesus doesn't say like, yeah, you're dead to me. No, he calls Judas friend. Yeah. In the midst of it. I wonder how much... So there's another place where I really want body language expression because you could one could assume that there was some sarcasm in there. Friend. Friend. Um, now, because we take the nature of Jesus and we go, okay, so this is what we know of Jesus. Jesus preaches forgiveness, blah, 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 blah. Um, and giving Jesus' loving nature we're not likely to ascribe that sarcasm to Jesus in that, in that sense. Right. Well, and I think rightly so, right? Yeah. Like, but you could easily, for anyone else, go, yeah, he's like, yeah, friend. Well, and, and there is that, what I call kind of the, 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 the fine line in terms of recognizing what um, Jesus is able to do and what we are able to do. And obviously, we're going to be, as, as you point out in your sermon, we're way more like Peter than we are like Jesus most of the time. Yeah, that whole no divinity thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the reality also being, um, again, when I said kind of degrees, we don't know really where... <laughs> Judas kills himself, so we never find out how, you know, how Jesus may or may not have dealt with Judas afterwards. We can guess. Um, yeah. You know, we can, we can try, and I don't know if that, um, you know, it was like, here, we're just, we're not going to, we're gonna, not going to make you, uh, give you an answer to this one. We're going to make you wrestle with it by having Judas die. Yep. But we know how he does deal with Peter. Um, and, and again, different levels of betrayal. You have one who actually turns you over and then one who just doesn't try to die with you. And that, that's kind of a, to, to me at least, there's kind of a different level of betrayal going yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, but also, and, and that's the thing too in our lives is we do have these different levels of, of betrayal going on. Um, there are some people who have done things to break my trust, but I still have them in my life. Um, maybe not the same level they were <laughs> right. um, prior to that. Um, there is that, that brokenness and there is that rift um, from the standpoint of you don't fully 100% trust them anymore and you don't know if you ever really fully can. Yep. I will say there is someone in my life that... Um, did betray me and hurt me. And actually, I did cut them out of my life for like 15 years. Um, and we reconnected after those 15 years. And I can honestly say I think I could probably trust them with pretty much anything at this juncture. We've been friends now another, you know, however many, another decade or so. Um, and we've repaired that relationship to the point that, no, I don't have any animosity. I don't even, like, they'll occasionally bring up what happened, and I'm like, you know what, 
that was so long ago and we were young and dumb and stupid and, and, and whatever. Who initiated that? Uh, the, the reconnecting? Yeah. I honestly don't remember. We both at one point in time tried to reconnect and I'm not sh like on our own. Like we sought out the other person and I don't remember which one of us actually made the, the like yeah. actually wound up successful. It was kind of a mutual thing. Yeah. Where we both kind of were like, hey, I kind of miss having you in my life and I miss having you in my life. And um, we, we, we bridged that gap. And it was, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, give it enough, giving, you know, the time and the change that has happened between both of us over those years, we've been able to kind of go to a, a new place that this sort of almost like those were two different people. Yeah. And we're neither one, one you know, that person anymore. Yeah. So. I, had, I had some friends that were, I mean, we were like every weekend, you know, we were always, we were always hanging out. We were always doing something um, all through high school. You know, we played ball together. Then college, you know, when we were home, we go out and drink too much. Um, and through my divorce, there were just some ugly things that happened at that point, and I kind of cut bait. And I still miss that, that camaraderie, that friendship. Mm -hmm. and, I, and there were a few times when I you know, made some, some attempts to reconnect, even though I was still, I would say, still wounded and hurt. And at, some at any point in, the, in, that, in those like, minor attempts, if there was a listen, dude, I'm sorry. And not even saying, hey, I'm sorry, this happened, just I'm sorry for what happened. And it could have been vague. I didn't really care. I just wanted the acknowledgement that you were kind of an ass. Yep. And that never had something like, all right, you know what, peace out. Like, like Jesus, Peter was, if, if Jesus is standing there, like, Peter, you're an ass. Yep. I would totally get it. Well, and, and part of our, our, our recon with this friend, our reconnection was started with a huge apology on their part. Yeah. Saying, you yeah. know, I realize why you haven't talked to me for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I totally understand if you still don't want to talk to me. Yeah. Um, but I do want you to know I am really sorry, and I know how much I hurt you, and I know, you know, yeah. and, and, that, and that's the beginnings. <laughs> of, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the apology is the start, it's not the end. Yeah. When you're trying to repair a relation. And I think so often people forget that, that it isn't, okay, I've apologized, I don't get it, why aren't you forgiving me now? Yeah. There, there, there is, you need to rebuild that relationship and that trust in some fashion in order for that relationship to be repaired. And yeah. there are some relationships, on the other hand, that that'll never happen. Um, or at least I don't see it happening in, in yeah. the near, you know, in any time in the near future. Granted, you know, who knows, 15 years down the road. You never know. <laughs> um, but again, there needs to be, first of all, the contrition and 
you know, you don't just seek somebody out and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd do that again. And you go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to forgive you anyway. This, um, so it's funny, this whole conversation is sort of proof between the difference between Jesus and us, right? Yeah. Like, well, yes and no, because Peter, if you think about it, from that once, once Jesus is raised from the dead, I mean, Peter then puts himself in harm's way from that point forward. Yeah. He's, he's, he's willing at that juncture then to be like, oh, wait, um, I'm, I'm now willing to die for this. I'm, I'm right. willing to die. Uh, and at least according to tradition, we know he does die at the hands of Rome. Um, but, but Jesus is, I use the general term love for Peter, doesn't, isn't dependent on that. No. And that's where, that's where there's a distinction. Listen, all right, we had issues. Yep. We, we, had our, we had our talk. We hugged it out. You know, we, we hugged it out. We're moving on. Peter's, Jesus is like, we're moving on. Jesus also has this ability to be like, before it all happened, going, um, this is what you're going to do, Peter. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he had the, I know this is what you're going to do. Yeah. I know this is how this is going to go down. Yeah. Uh, to be fair. Jesus has information we normally don't. <laughs> we, you know, we can predict to some degree what somebody's going to do. Yes. <laughs> you know, we're like, yeah, they're not going to react well to this, or this is what they're going to do in this situation, and we, we proceed accordingly, usually right. trying to avoid <laughs> yeah. um, the, you know, a, a negative outcome in terms of those kinds of things. But Jesus already knew. He's like, he's going to deny me three times. This is, this is what's going to happen. And even though Peter was like, oh, no way, no way am I going to do that. Jesus knew. He's like, no, yeah, you are. And I I don't know if that is helpful. (laughs) It's like, I knew this is what you were going to do and you didn't disappoint. So, (laughs) Um, but. Yeah, so, so again, so for me, we can predict things, right? So like, you know what? I know this is what's going to happen. And then you, you just, you hope and pray that that's not actually how it plays out. Right, right. And you, then hope, it, you hope to be surprised. Right. And then our, when our, it, our whole prove me wrong kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out the way that you predicted, not necessarily the way you wanted, but the way you, and I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that happens all too often. Because, yeah. you know, we, a lot of us are, are able to, if we know certain people well enough or we know situations well enough, we're like, yeah, this is, based on our experience, this is how this is going to go. Um, and, and I admit I tend to be a pessimist in terms of I usually expect the worst case scenario so that when the worst case scenario hopefully doesn't happen, I'm actually then pleasantly surprised and happy because, but it, it, it's one of those, I, I try to protect myself from the disappointment. Yeah. And I don't know how well that works. I think I always wind up still being disappointed, but at least I've done something to prepare myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it, it's hard because as someone who advocates for, especially for women in abusive relationships and that kind of stuff, um, I, I totally understand and 
in fact, am, would probably even encourage people who are like, this is a toxic situation, I need out of it, and I need to not have this person in my life. And right. I would support that 100%. Is that what Jesus would do? I don't know. And, um, and that's where the whole, um, the whole divorce in the church debate you know, really comes to a head, right? So for some, divorce, according to the church, is like this mortal, mortal sin. Like you, you cannot do that. Well, uh, there, are, there are certainly times and places where being in a relationship is not healthy or safe. Right. Um, 4,000 women every year are killed right. due to domestic violence. Right. And I can guarantee that is not what God wants in, in, exactly. in, in relationships. Yep, exactly. Um, I, I had a very good therapist when I was going through my divorce. Because obviously, as a pastor, I struggled with, with going through with a divorce, saying, you know, this is really not <laughs> um, where I saw, saw my life and my marriage and all that kind of stuff going. How do I even begin to, to deal with this? And I had this really amazing therapist who, first of all, pointed out that there's more to a vow than to death do us part. There's, there's that whole, well, what are you supposed to do till death do you part? You're supposed to love, honor, and cherish, and that's not going on. So Exactly. You know, what's, what's the point in staying in it if that, if, if that part of the vow is already gone and, and not being lived out? Um, but also kind of, you know, took the whole... Is the most, you know, when you think about, you become one flesh, she goes, well, we all know mathematics. One plus one does not equal one. So if you look at it from more of a multiplication standpoint, one times one equals one. And if you have someone in this relationship who's only half, like, half invested or half, half a person, and you take one whole person and a half a person, you do not get a whole relationship. Right. You get a half a relationship. Right. Because one times a half is a half. Get yeah. two half people, you only get a quarter. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and, I mean, when I, do, when I do premarital counseling, I mean, that's, that's the crux of it. Like, yeah. Like and, and that you, was extremely helpful to, to at least kind of hear that and, and think about it in those terms of... If this relationship is not making you whole, then, you know, wh what do you either need to be doing to make it whole if, you know, but unfortunately you need both parties involved in order for that to happen. Right. And sometimes that, that works. Both are committed and they, they work it out. And other times it's like this is just a bad kind of situation. And sometimes people are like, you know, we're bad together, but we can still, you know, be friends or what, you know, there, there are those, those kinds of relationships or there, there's the ones more um, like mine, which is I had to cut that person out of my life completely and totally um, because I know he's dangerous yep. and will not do anything good in my life. And I just don't need that toxicity, the stress, et cetera, in, in my life. Yeah. And I think those are very different situations from what we see going on between 
Jesus and the disciples. I, I, I just, I think it's a little different. Yeah, I agree. Um, and where it maybe isn't so different is when Jesus is hanging on that cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yeah, that. <laughs> Which I think that, I think we get that text. I think we do too, so we're not going to talk much about that. Yeah, I think we get that text. Um, before, but, before it, it, again, it's the, the notion though that just because a relationship has been b- broken, just because there is a betrayal, doesn't mean it has to stand that way forever and ever. Right. Um, even in our, our, like I said, e- even within our broken human relationships, we're not Jesus, but there is the capacity in many cases where you can repair a relationship um, after a betrayal. It just kind of depends, I think, on what the betrayal is and how much time <laughs> it takes to kind of yeah. work on it. And, and of course, obviously, in, the, in, in our gospel readings, these things happen over a very short period of time. Yeah, I mean, remember, Holy Week essentially isn't a whole week. No. <laughs> the, the, the texts of Holy Week are really condensed into, what, what would you say, Thursday evening is when it starts? Right. So... Yeah, and so, yeah, you get this, (laughs) Peter's betraying Thursday night, uh, which we'll actually probably have on Good Friday, but Peter betrays on Thursday night, and then you, you know, by by Sunday afternoon or whatever, (laughs) all all is better. Um, Yeah. And... Sunday afternoon, and then I think it's actually a little more time when he actually does has passed once he starts in on the whole feed my sheep, blah, blah, blah. But we'll get to that also later because I know that's going to be a text that, that we cover. I thought so. So, um, Our post-Easter texts. Yeah, so Pete and I are working on a feed my sheep thing for, for that Sunday. We'll see what happens. Oh, cool. Um. But, like I said, part of this text that I think just makes us think and makes us, you know, is, is that, at least for me, is, is that, that aspect of betrayal. Yeah. And just the, the notions of how we've been betrayed, how do we deal with that betrayal, well, where do we go? Where, where do you go after that? Where, where, where do you go? Now, in God's case, there has to be forgiveness because God wants a future. And I guess it kind of depends on, on your desire for the future of a relationship, your desire um, to continue that relationship, and how feasible and safe that relationship is. I think we're really quick. I think we're really quick when we read this text to kind of, I don't want to say demonize Peter, right? Not, we don't demonize Peter like we do Judas. But I think we're really quick to be like, man, Peter, like, you were like with Jesus. Like, you saw all these things Jesus did. Like, how could you deny him? And weirdly enough... And we forget all the ways that we actually do it now. Well, I was going to say, weirdly enough, I don't demonize Peter in this. I get, I, I'm like, I don't know that I'd have done anything different, to be honest. 
Um, you'd like to think you would right. in that situation, but having never been in that situation, <laughs> and your and you know your life is on the line. It's like when people say there's there's something going on, right? So there's um, something, you know, a, a tragedy. Oh well, I would have done this. Well, the reality is you don't know until you're in that situation, right? Like you just don't know. I mean, there are there are times when we have all, um, you know, turned a blind eye towards you know the guy laid on the street, you know, or or something something along those lines, whatever it is. You know, if, oh, I'd never do that. Well, you have. Well, and think about all the times you've done something even just to, to save your job, so to speak. You know, it's like, well, all right. Uh, you know, I always thought I would stand up for X, Y, or Z, but now I'm going to lose my job if I do it, and I maybe can't. And you have to weigh the consequences and the, you know, and, and try and figure out those decisions. And it's... it's there was it's a Russian newscast the other day, and a lady held a sign behind the, behind the anchor person. I don't remember what it said. It was basically... It, was the, it said no war. It was, no, it was no war a, it and... It was a Russian and don't um, believe, state media. Yeah. And don't believe the propaganda... Whatever. Don't believe the propaganda coming out of this channel. Right. <laughs> and... We say, yeah, that's what I would do. That lady's probably dead. I was going to say, nobody's seen or heard from her since. Right. She's yeah, probably she's dead. She's gone. Yeah. So it's real easy in, in this country, and someone pointed out to me this weekend, Americans don't know what it's like to have war on your soil. Not, not since, you know, not in our lifetime. And not complaining. Um, and we had Pearl Harbor, again, tragedy but still different scope than what's, than what's happening. Those, those are the one-off things. It's not an, a, an ongoing, right. your homes are getting shelled. Right. Um, and we say, oh, well, I would do this. The reality is we don't know. We don't know. Because no. you don't know until you're put in that situation. Yeah. But the nice thing is, the good thing is, we kind of know Jesus. Like, we know Peter unpredictable, disciples unpredictable, humanity unpredictable, Jesus not mm -hmm. unpredictable. Well, like I said, ultimately, the thing I think we always have to come back to is um, God wants a future with us. Yep. And God's going to go to great lengths to make sure there's a future, which involves forgiveness. Yep. And I think that becomes the bottom line for everything is that as long as God wants a future, you know, wants us in this future that he has in mind, yep. then there is going to be forgiveness yep. because God wants that future. Thanks be to God. Yup. And I think that kind of wraps this one up. Yeah, I think so. Pretty well. I don't know what next week is. Um, I began looking at it and I'm now trying to remember what it is because I have very, very bad short-term memory, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so I did look at it yesterday and I'm trying to think what, um, the next, uh, phase of it is. I can look it up real quick because, um, obviously it's still part of the, um, the trial. I want we to say don't, it's pilot. We don't jump 15 chapters. No, I want to say it's pilot. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. It's Jesus before Pilate, the whole what is truth thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. And I get to preach because yeah. you're, you're not going to be here. I'm partying. Yeah. He's so, so no Pastor Chad this week. My internship supervisor is retiring, and they're doing a surprise... Um, yeah, so, so Pastor Chad and I don't normally advertise which one of us is preaching, but, yep. you know, I guess if you're listening to the podcast, you get a, you get that bonus, there you go. and if you're like, oh, Pastor Rebecca's preaching, I'm not coming, well. <laughs> thank God Pastor Chad's gone this week. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, if tons of people show up because... <laughs> Or, yeah. or don't show up, as the case may be. It's well, it's, so we're in that weird time where it's... It's also spring break. It's spring break, so it's like the back end of spring break, so are people not... Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. weird. It's yeah. hard to predict. Yeah, so anyway. But thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. See ya. Have a great week.